here's, that's one thing that's really hurt uh, even our brand of Christianity is getting to a spot, and I've said this before, but when men get up to a spot and they say, you know, when I got saved, you know, I quit doing all of that, and so if you're doing that, I don't know if you're really saved. Well, you know, the truth is you might have quit doing what he's doing, but you kept doing something else. And, and, and the truth is also you may be able to hide what you're doing while they, they have not hidden what they're doing. And, and the, the truth is, is that we, no man has the right to look down on any other man. No man has the right to condemn anybody else. We, we just need to re- realize who we are and what we are, and we're just saved by grace. Amen? And so Matthew chapter 23, look at verses 13 through 15. We'll read just a few of these verses. We, we're not going to read all through the chapter, but it's, I think it's very important. I, I picked out a few. It says, verse 13 says, But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye that they <coughs> that are, are, are entering to go in. He said, you know what? The, what you believe, you're not even going to enter heaven. And he said, the, the, the really worse than that is that you're teaching others not to enter heaven. And, why, and what do they believe? They believe in their goodness and their own works. That somehow they got, somehow they were so good, God was going to look at them and say, wow, you guys are incredible. You got to come in. And, and let, me, let me help you. All of our righteousness are as filthy rags to God. There's nobody that, that has any, none of us can stand before a holy God and say, through my own goodness, I deserve to come in. And so he says in verse 14, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. You know, he, they say, you know, you really go out here and you, you go out to indoctrinate uh, people, you search them out. You go out to teach them your, your heretical beliefs. And, and, and he said, you, you, when you do, he said, you make them, they, they are, they, you make them twofold more the child of hell uh, than yourselves. In Matthew tw- chapter 25, I mean 23 verse 25 says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within there are full of extortions and access. Uh, excess. Thou blind Pharisee, clean first that which is within the cup and platter, uh, that the outside of them may be clean also. Uh, you know, it's just such a beautiful illustration. You get, you got that filthy uh, container. Some of you you may have done this before, but you know you 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 pick up uh, you know some sort of a, maybe a thermos or something, and and you think it's clean, and and you go to pour something out of it, hopefully not pouring it in your mouth. Uh, and you realize it's not as clean as you thought it was. Uh, and God says, you know, you might, it may be really, you look really good on the outside, but you're, you're dirty on the inside. Now, here's the problem. We're all dirty on the inside, but, but they, they didn't think they were. And they wanted to act like they weren't. Well, the truth is, we're all dirty on the inside. We just need to recognize and ask God to cleanse us on a regular basis. You know, uh, he says, Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is in, within the cup 
and platter, that the outside may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within are ye full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Now, why is, why is Jesus so descriptive here and, and saying it's so evil inside of them? It's because the Holy Spirit has never come in. You see, when, when, when they're living by works, they've never been saved. Therefore, the Holy Spirit of God has never come in. The cleaning work that takes place in us is done by the Holy Spirit of God. And when he comes in, he will clean us up uh, to whatever extent we allow him to. And so, uh, but they didn't have him. And even so, he says in verse 28, Ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisies and iniquity. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, because ye build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous. And, and, and folks, it, it, uh, I told somebody, a, a young man the other day, it's, one, it's a shame when uh, we'll look back to older preachers and older men, and man, and we'll talk about, yeah, man, I believe everything he believed, but then, uh, but but in our own life, we don't live it, and and, and that's really what they're talking about, and uh, here, and so to make application to us, we have to look at it and say, you know, uh, it's not. It, it's, it's wonderful to praise men of, of the past for taking a stand for God. But, you know, they, it, it, their lives are meaningless if, they, if our lives are not what they're supposed to be. You know, we can say, man, they were great. Well, that's wonderful, but, but has the truth that they taught changed us? Now, here's the illustration, and this is where I, you know, I really struggle. But this is, uh, as I was going through this and reading through this, I realize this in reality what we saw when we went to, when, you know, in, the, in just the most magnified way when we went to Italy. Uh, this is what happens when you go to the, uh, this is what happens when the Pope speaks ex cathedra. I'm not one to speak much about other things, but, but the fact is, is when the Pope speaks ex cathedra and they claim that that's, he speaks infallibly. That means he's God. Only God is infallible. And so when we set ourselves up as a pretense that somehow we are so good that we can speak infallibly. One of those such times is when the Pope declared the bodily assumption of Mary, to which, of course, there's no biblical evidence at all, but, but they said it had to be because it was Mary. Always remember that these that Jesus was speaking of in Matthew 24 and 20, uh, 23 and 24 were not trusting Christ, but they were trusting their own works. As we speak about this, this is what you've got to understand. This is what he's really dealing with. He's dealing with somebody who believes in works for their own salvation. And they, and they believe in it so much, they believe that they, they're able to live a works life up to a level that they're going to earn eternity. And that's why it bothers Christ so much, because it's such a hypocrisy. Nobody can live good enough to get to heaven. And so there was probably not a more descriptive passage concerning uh, Catholicism. And again, I'm not one to talk about this much, and I was almost hesitant to say it, but the simple truth is, I, when I went in there, I, I told some of the men, you know, one of the things that just was revealed to me is just the incredible level of man worship. 
They teach work salvation and make the lost believe that they're saved through these works, keeping them from salvation in heaven. Now that's, I'm not against anybody. I'm not attacking, there are saved people in the Catholic Church. I know that. I know there are people that have trusted Christ as their Savior and they're part of the Catholic Church. But as I told a young man one day, uh, listen, the fact that there may be people there does not mean that their doctrine teaches that that's the way of salvation. Now, but here, sadly, much of what we call Protestant churches carry much of the same teachings. But even more sad. And here's what I'm getting to. And so anybody that's out there and feel like I'm attacking Catholicism, no, I'm really getting to us. Here's what's more sad. is when Baptists begin to assimilate some of their teachings and their attitudes. Because Baptists are not part of the Protestant movement. We didn't come out of the Catholic Church. But you have to understand also that, that I've seen many assimilate their beliefs. You say, what are you talking about, brother? See, no priest, no man, no priest, no pope or pastor ever speaks infallibly. If they teach Scripture, the Scripture is always true. Understand, the Scripture is always true. But the man has no ability to speak infallibly. Now, he can speak the truth. The scripture, and I can read to you the scripture, and the scripture is infallible. But I have no ability to, to, to somehow relate to you something that's infallible. Do you understand what I'm saying? Through my own self. I can tell you the truth of the word of God, and that is infallible. But I can only tell you what God has already said. Now, through these chapters, what we see is that it is a danger for man to get sidetracked into living for man, seeing the outward appearance while neglecting the inner man. And folks, I've seen this happen where people get sidetracked into, you know, honestly, uh, it was a danger that I had to face with the, with the sailor ministry. It, it was so easy to, to think a young sailor boy it was at a spiritual level that he was not at. Why? Because he dressed sharp. Why? Because he, you know, he, had, he, he was all clean cut. Why? Because he looked the part. But listen to me, looking the part doesn't make you the part. And this is what God's addressing. He's saying it's so very vital that we live what we say we would believe. And watch this. It's vital that we say we believe something. But it's vital that we live what we say we believe. It's imp- through these chapters, this is what we see. And so it's important that we always remember that, it, that, it's, more, that it's more important what God knows of us than, than what man thinks of us. We so often, we want to make sure that everybody thinks we're good. And, and look, I, I believe this. I, I really do. I, you know, I, 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 we've done a lot of preaching to and teaching to, to married couples, and I believe it's, it's not really wise to air all your dirty laundry in front of you. I, I believe it's really not smart for married couples to, to uh, criticize each other or, or to argue in public. I, I really do. I think that's, not, I, that's just not wise, okay? Uh, you say, you know, well, you're portraying yourself as perfect. No, it just, it's just wise and discretion that everybody else doesn't need to see you being stupid. Watch this. 
Everybody that's married knows that everybody who's married has their moments. Don't act like this now. Y'all looking at me like, what do you mean? No, we have those, those, those times. You know, we have those issues. I'm telling you, I know. I've watched Rook and Mike. Um, <laughs> oh, but the fact is, is that we do. But, but th- there's a point, you know, you don't, everybody knows it's true. You don't have to go prove it to the world. You know, you don't have to do that. And I used to say that nobody does it, but, you know, today, you know, that's not true because, People, I mean, it's amazing what they say and do in public today. But now, it's so important that we understand what are biblical truths and commands rather than preferences. Now, this is all tying in together because here here they were. Not only did they uh, obey God's commands, but they were a people that wanted to show themselves to be so spiritual, they added stuff. They added things. Now, I've taught you before, but it's, it's worth repeating. Some things are not commands, but in reality, they are protective principles. Everybody with me now? There's some things that are not commands, but, but folks, again, it's just wise. Just like I just said, you know what? Uh, everybody knows you, you're going to have your tiff with your, your wife, fellas, but, but it's not wise to go broadcasting it to the world. Well, uh, you know, there are some things that God does not command, but they're very wise things because they'll keep you from sin. Does this make sense to everybody? Protective principles are good and wise and will keep you an extra step from sin. But it is not, listen to this now, it is not sin to violate the protective principle. Good night. I just love to hear somebody breathe. Folks, you see that everybody see this or can you this little wood thing right here? If 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 that really No, I'm gonna do it. Okay. Look, right here, if I had this rail and over there is sin, and obviously it is, and so Now, I got a couple of choices. I can, I can live my life here, and sin's all the way over there on the other side of that rail. I, I can, I, and look, it's just protective principles. Now, I can drop down to here, and I'm still not in sin. I'm just closer to it. Now, here's what we're determined to do today. I've got a right to do whatever I want to. Yes, you do. You know what? You can you can do this. Ho! You know what? I'm just, you know, I, I'm free to do whatever I want to do. Yeah, but one slip in your toast. Hello? Why do we have, whoa, why, why do we, good night! Now, why do we have to do this? Why are we so against those protective principles that keep me from going into sin? Does this make sense to anybody? 
But man, our nation is in an uproar. Christians in an uproar. Oh no, don't tell me I shouldn't do that. I'm not telling you to do anything. Do whatever you want to do. If you want to live your life on that rail, go ahead. There's just a real possibility you're coming down. All right. Okay. I'm going to use an illustration because it demonstrates where things can lead if we walk that rail. Now, I want you to understand. I want everybody to hear me. I'm not saying this to demand that anything of anybody. I'm not saying this to tell you you got to do what I tell you to do, but I'm going to use the illustration. Truthfully, I think it's pretty, pretty late in the history of our nation to change much of the direction of the culture in, our, in America. I mean, barring a, 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 uh, just a revival in America and something incredible going on, uh, you know, culturally, we're, we're, we're just on a downward spiral. But it's important that we realize that we missed an opportunity to at least slow down what was happening. We've had an opportunity. Also, I'd rather not be part of the problem regardless of whether my actions will change anything. You understand? I, I don't, even if my actions alone are not going to change anything, I still don't want to join up with them. I'd rather take a stand so that the world does. Watch this now. Here's part of the reason I take a stand. I don't want to join up with them, but I don't want them to change me. Finally, we may not be able to change the culture of the world, but we can protect the culture of our own personal lives and our homes. Now, here's my illustration. For the history of America until the 1930s, basically, there had been a clear distinction between man and woman. And that distinction was primarily in between man and woman's dress and in man and how men and women were treated. I was born in the, in the 50s, and, and I was taught to open a door for a woman. I was taught to be courteous to a woman. I was taught not to say certain things in front of a woman. Now, there are also a, a basic modesty for America, uh, uh, for most of America through the 50s. Some of us have tried to keep that distinction, but many cry that it is not a command and therefore not a conviction. Therefore, they have total freedom in the area. I believe scripturally that modesty and clear distinction between the sexes is commanded. But even if you do not believe it to be, it would still be a protective principle that would have kept us from what is going on today. They used to call it cross-dressing. Now it's cross-living. And, and they're pushing to make it acceptable. The 2018 runway, get that ready for me, fellas. 2018 runway fashion for men. I want you to see this now. This is the 2018 fashion runway for men. Go ahead to the next one. 2018 fashion runway for men. Go ahead. Next. 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 
Next. Next. I think that's it. That should be the last one, right? Okay, you can turn it on. Now listen to me, many church leaders are going to have to, to reevaluate their stance on this gender-neutral, transsexual movement that takes greater hold, and they will have to face the reality that part of the reason it's taking hold of our nation, even our Christians, is because they refuse to teach and preach modesty and distinction of the sexes. You see... We have, it's become so acceptable for women to look like men that we've become desensitized and now we're, we're saying it's okay. Now their, their next journey, their next step is to make men look like women. Now here's the whole thing. Really what they're trying to do is make us look the same because it, it contradicts God's creation. God didn't create one sex. He created two. Facebook just banned a lady because she said that gender confusion was a mental illness. Well, I want you to understand something. I don't believe it's a mental illness. I believe it's a spiritual illness. The problems that America and the world face stem from a worldly church which encourages worldly families and worldly individuals. You see, it's not the world's fault, it's the church's fault. Forgive me, it's, it's because most of my brethren have been afraid, two reasons, been afraid to address it, and if they did address it, they dressed it angrily, and they addressed it dominating and, 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 and forcefully demanding but I'm gonna tell you I'm not demanding anything I'm just telling you you need to think seriously about whether you want to be part I I'd like to say part of the solution God only God's going to solve this problem that we're in but at least we're not part of the problem at least my family is not part of the problem Notice I said, I teach these things not to demand compliance, but to teach the truth of where decisions will lead. And I'm going to give you another illustration. And, and, and you know, I'm doing this partly because it fits and partly because maybe it's a little easier to swallow. But, but uh, uh, <clears throat> God said, it's a shame for a man to have long hair. I didn't say it. God did. Now, I've told you before, we don't really know what long is. You know, people will say, why do you cut your hair like this? Uh, look, you, you think because anything more than that is long? No, I don't know what, where long begins, but I know this. There's no way this could be. Okay? And watch this. If God's going to cut my hair, I might as well. Because he's, he's cut a lot more of my hair than I did. I didn't go to the Naval Academy because... They wanted me to go there and play football. And I said, I'm not going there. They're going to cut my hair off. I didn't know God was going to do it to me about five years later. Now, 
You say, Brother Hooker, where, where's that come from? I, I, look, I know he did not say it was a sin. He said it was a shame. The word shame means a disgrace, a dishonor. 1 Corinthians eleven fourteen says, Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it's a shame unto him. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given for her for a covering. Verse 16, though, and this, of course, is, this is the key verse in this, is, but if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. And now this is the verse they use to say, okay, those other two verses are wiped away because we're, we're not, you know, we have no such custom in our churches. It's not what it means at all, but I'm, I'm going to show you. So it, it, in these verses, it's been clearly stated that it's a shame. Now, look, understand, I don't think anybody in here, uh, unless it's Carl, has long hair. Okay, nobody in here has long hair, okay? So you say, Brother Hooker, who are you preaching at? Nobody. It's a, it's a teaching. It's an illustration. It's, it's an example of what I'm trying to teach you. Uh, so number one, it has been clearly stated in this passage that it's a shame for a man to have long hair. It's just clearly stated. God says it's a shame. Number two, it's been clearly stated that it's a glory for a woman to have long hair. No, it's a glory. A glory is an honor, praise, dignity. God says that's, that's a, it's, it's an honor for a woman to have long hair. Now, he didn't say it's a sin for her not to, but he says it's an honor for her to. Now, number three, it's clear that it's a principle for distinction. Do you understand? God's clearly making a distinction between the two. Number four, there are two possible meanings of verse 16. First, custom could apply to the word contentious, which would mean it's not our custom to argue over these things. And folks, I don't think God wants it to be our custom to argue over those things. Because look, arguing about it doesn't make you better or me worse or me better or you worse. Look, we just have to look at it and decide whether we're going to live it personally. Now, also, secondly, it could be that the churches, it could mean the churches have no custom or process dealing with this issue of length of hair. So it's not like he said, he's saying basically we don't, we don't set up anything and say, okay, uh, yours, you'll walk in here and let's check and see if yours is short enough. We don't do that in the church. Are y'all okay with me so far? The fact that we are not to argue or conflict over this issue, it does not negate. Listen here, this is what we're trying to get to. The fact that we're not to argue or conflict over issues like this, it does not negate the teaching which clearly brings distinction between the sexes and the fact that we ought to heed that teaching. Why is it always, listen, it seems like today, here's, here's the way it always, it, it always seems to be, I should be able to do it unless commanded against it. That seems to be our philosophy today. I ought to be able to do it unless commanded directly against it. But why couldn't it just be, God, what would you desire me to do? Now, if you have no protective principle, you will inevitably cross the biblical lines also. You walk that rail long enough, you're falling off. You are. Unless you have incredible balance like me. 
Now, this leads us finally back to our command. Verse 23 says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought you to have done and not leave the other undone. These people who Jesus spoke of and condemned were so diligent to do everything visible to the nth degree. Mint, anise, and cumin were seeds. They were spices. And they actually went, and they even went so far as they, they, they cut away, you know, a tenth of their spices to give to God. A tenth of their seeds even to give to God. The Pharisee was so intense about giving a tithe of all his increase that he tithed even of the spice seeds that he gathered. Some teach, now listen, some teach much about tithing. Uh, 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 some today believe it was only an Old Testament command. Uh, again, these are all principles that hope are going to dry together. This may be the greatest evidence that Jesus was for, the New, Te- was for New Testament giving. For this is Jesus who said, these ought ye to have done. He said to these people, look, you tithe of the, even down to your seeds of your, of your spices. You even do, he said, and you know what? Everything belongs to God and you ought to give. He said, but the problem is you didn't do the weightier matter. Jesus said, you tithe of even these things. This ought to have been done. But while you tithe of these things, realize that there are some even more important things. Again, it's, it's clear that regardless of whether you think it's Old Testament command or not, it's still a protective principle. The emphasis is on continuing to do what God knew was best for you while adding to it relationship truths that, are, that have greater effect on Christianity. And, and that's what Jesus is really saying here. He says to them, you keep doing what I commanded you to do. He said, but add to those things which are going to change, have greater effect on your brethren, have greater effect on humanity, have greater effect on reaching people for me. The emphasis is on continuing to do what God knew was best. Notice, weightier does not mean greater importance, but more effectual. You see, uh, this doesn't mean that these these were more important things than tithing these seeds. The fact was, as God says, these are weightier. They're going to have a greater effect. All that God wants us to do is important, but giving seeds will not have as great an effect on you and on others as having judgment, mercy, and faith. What does that really mean, judgment, mercy, and faith? God desires that we make right judgment. Actually, we seek to be just with all those around us. God wants us to have right judgment. Now, you cannot have right judgment unless you read this book and believe this book. This is where you get right judgment. This means the truth, believing truth, and not applying preferences to the life of others. Right judgment means that I'm going to believe the truth, I'm going to live the truth, I'm even going to live biblical principles that are protected to me. I'm going to do that, but I'm not going to beat you up if you don't. I'm not going to live that way. Truth is, you won't think I have a problem. I don't have a problem because it's not my issue. It's all between you and God. I'm going to look at you and love you. And, and look, 
I'm just glad that you put up with me. Now, it is not just to expect some sort of spiritual perfection from others when we, when we are unable to attain that ourselves. Uh, that's what's so important to God here is we, don't, we, don't, we should not have that attitude. Judgment is not going out here judging others. Judgment is having right judgment with others. It is easy to see the splinter in someone else's eye, but God wants us to be just with them and understand they are human as we are. Now, the way in which we do this, the way in which we have right judgment in our interactions with everybody else is by the next is by mercy. Judgment recognizes that mercy is a weightier matter. Mercy is kindness or goodwill toward others, especially toward the weaker. Mercy is a desire to help others, especially those in the greatest need. And how can we help them? Through faith. True faith in, in the Savior will allow us to bring faith, mercy, and judgment to the world that needs salvation by grace. Now listen to this, and I'm, and I'm done. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe others need Jesus? Do you believe we all need to be merciful to each other? Do you believe that salvation is not to those who somehow live above the rest, but salvation is to all of us by faith who believe in Jesus Christ? Now, saving faith, listen, this opens the door to judgment. We get saved. Now God, through his Holy Spirit and through his word, gives us the ability to have right judgment in our lives. Judgment sees and understands what is right and wise and prudent. Mercy allows us to love and accept those who do not see it and understand it yet. Living faith understands that grace does not negate judgment and the need for mercy. Notice what I said now. God didn't put grace in there. He said mercy. Because living faith understands that grace does not negate judgment and the need for mercy. The great mistake in Christianity today is to eliminate judgment. If judgment is eliminated, listen to me now, if judgment is eliminated, then there's no need for mercy. When I learn what, what the truth of the Word of God is, and I learn what God wants us to do, and I learn about, you know, I use this illustration, a distinction of the sexes. When I learn about what God says, even about something so simplistic as hair length, uh, and again, it's, it's a vague thing. We don't know where it is, where it long is, where short is. But, but I learn these things, and I have judgment about it. Hey, listen, uh, it's so vital that if, I, if there's not judgment that comes into my life, Watch this now. As I learn these things of judgment, God says it's vital now that you have mercy. But if there is no judgment, there is, and effectively there is no right and wrong, what does anybody need mercy for? Mercy is eliminated. But God says it's a weightier matter of the law. Have you placed your faith in Jesus? Do you seek to understand his word whereby we learn judgment? Will we choose to be merciful to each other as we grow in the Lord's judgment? Will we continue in living faith that understands judgment and mercy? 
You see, God, these commands, and this is what I'm really trying to do, going through these commands, and it's about 40 of them now. As we go through these commands, what we're trying to do, we're learning judgment. That God, when he gets all the way down here after, because when we cross from this command, now we're going to start talking about commands that really deal with the, the return of Christ and, and, and they deal with getting people ready for the return of Christ. The final command, he said, you've learned all these 39 plus judgments. You've learned. He said, now, understand, judgment is vital. But you better know that mercy is a weightier matter too. And faith is a weightier matter too. And folks, if the, if, if the church needs anything, we need these three. We need to learn that regardless of the world we live in, there's still a right and wrong. I was reading just recently, this lady is now reading a book because she, and, it, and it's called Pure, but the whole thing is against the movement of purity and how it was such a horrible movement for her and how she's trying to show girls you don't need to be under that stress of being pure. Well, there may be some that come under some stress from, from a tempting or desiring to be pure but there's a whole lot more of them that have opened a door satanically through impurity and they have to deal with it the rest of their lives now there's a right and wrong but God says as you believe there's a right and wrong it's so vital that you understand mercy mercy and mercy allows me to say I don't need to look for his right and wrong he answers to God he needs to take care of it I just teach the judgment I don't need to look for his right and wrong that's not an issue at all of me I just need to love him I need to by faith live my life believing that God's word is true his principles are right and I, by faith, live to serve him. And one of the ways I do this is by judgment and mercy. I hope it makes a little bit of sense to you. Again, it was not said to offend anybody or try to put pressure on anybody that you got to do something. The truth is I didn't name really anything. You just got to judgment. What does God want? What does God want? Father, I pray that you bless this morning. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would uh, please help us as a people. Lord, we're, we're in, a, in a mighty battle. Uh, it used to say like a duck out of water. We're, just, uh, we're, we're in a, an environment where it seems like the world, the flesh, and the devil controls the news media, controls the, the literary, literary works controls everything and and so often makes people like us look so inferior and so uh, confused. Dear God, 
It's not our lives that are miserable. If we leave by faith, if we live by your judgment, if we live by your mercy. Lord, I pray that you please help us to, to stand by these three, this tripod uh, that will support us in a, in a, a world that it's an evil world. And Lord, I pray that you, we would remain strong. And, and, and the song was perfect. Never seen a victory till after the fight. I may not change this world, but I sure don't want it to, to, to change me, change my family, to become like them. Why would I want to be that? Dear God, I pray that you bless us this morning as we yield to thee. I know it's a few minutes later, but if us all stand and if, and I don't know how God may have spoken to your heart. And again, this morning, the first judgment, so to speak, and the thing that was so clear in this passage is it's not by works that we're saved. These Pharisees, they were looking mighty good on the outside. But the Lord said, you're not even trusting me on the inside. You're not saved. You don't know for sure you're going to heaven because you've been trying to work your way there. No man can ever be good enough to do that. If that's your situation, I, I pray for you right now that, that, that God would touch your heart and let you know that you can know through faith how to be saved, how to know Christ as your Savior. Let me just ask this, and I ask this often, but if you're here this morning and you say, I know for sure I'm going to heaven, I've trusted Christ, I've come by faith, I've trusted Christ as my Savior, and, and I know I'm not good enough to go to heaven, I know that I've got the goodness of Christ as I accepted him as my, I accepted his gift of eternal life and accepted him as my Savior. If that's you, would you raise your hand for me and say, I know I'm saved, I know I'm going to heaven when I die, I've trusted Christ as my Savior. You can put your hands down, I believe it's pretty much everybody in this room. If you would... Uh, maybe you'd like to come. You know, one of the things that we just need to keep in our heart, Lord, teach me judgment. Lord, always keep in my heart a heart of mercy as I, by faith, follow you. As she plays, if you'd like to use the altar this morning.
right, you can look at me. Thank you um, for allowing me to go a few minutes later than usual, and hopefully you're not starving to death. Hopefully you'll survive. Uh, but uh, Brother Allen will close us in a word of prayer. And let's pray. And again, most gracious Lord, thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for this church. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be here today. Lord, we pray now that you'll bless as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.